Well, hey, let's dive in this morning. So we are doing what I got, a continuation from last week, right? We're going to kind of press pause. So Daniel here, we're going to press pause, everybody always this morning, uh, because I want to kind of follow up from last week uh, with, with the resurrection. Yay, Easter, right? I don't see as many pastels this morning. I'm just saying, right? It's okay. Uh, but we had Easter last week, and Easter's about resurrection, right? Easter's about resurrection, but it's not just like resurrection. I mean, no, like we're talking like the resurrection to a new life, an abundant life. And that's really important, because when we get, to be honest with you, like Resurrection Sunday and Easter's great, but don't we so easily lose sight of what it means for us every day? That literally you think about your life, and I can say to you every day, resurrection is true today for you. And that's huge, isn't it? Because I say resurrections were about abundant life. I'm going down to, to death to my old life and my sin and my struggles and my worries and my fears and my anxieties. All those things that define the things I don't like in life that are negative. But I've been raised to a new life of abundance with Jesus every single day. And so when you woke up this morning, you woke up into the reality of Easter resurrection once again. And that is exciting. That is life-altering. And we get blinded to it, don't we? But we're in resurrection. like We are now in the life of resurrection. And that then changes how we view God, how we view one another, how we view ourselves, how we view our sin, how we view our struggles, and how we view life in general. We are in the resurrection life. And so this morning, in sequential order of Scripture, we're then going to take the next step from resurrection, yay, to now Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. Like, that's really cool. I don't mean just the 11 because, you know, Judas is gone. He's dead, right? So you have 11 of the apostles. Then you have all the other 120 disciples, male and female, together, doing life together, learning about the kingdom because God used men and women together to bring about the good news and to save the world. And so he's hanging out with them, right, doing life. And we catch up with them in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4, going to verse 8. It says this, so on one occasion, right, on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to re- restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by as an authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So when I, like, from growing up and I read this scripture, I'm not gonna lie, I went, like, I skipped kind of over the first few verses, man, went down like verse seven and eight, right? And talked about, man, I'm gonna receive power from the Holy Spirit. The promise that God has me in the personal spirit, He's gonna come, and we get super excited about those, right? And it's really good because if we're going to, to be, if we're going to be moving and doing the things that Jesus did, then it's really, really important that we are then empowered by God's Spirit to do those things, right? And so the Holy Spirit and the promise and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all super, super important. But I think what gets lost in this is this one word that I want to focus on this morning from verse 4, where Jesus tells his disciples, his followers, his, before all that happens... I need you to wait. 
Not W-E-I-G-H-T, right? But I need you to wait, W-A-I-T. I need you to wait. I need you to not move. I need you to sit still in the moment. Now, let's just be honest real quick about you and our culture that we live in. When we think about, when we think about the idea of waiting in our culture, we don't like it. Right. When someone says, hey, you have this important thing going on, but I need you to wait. Your boss comes to you and says, hey, listen, just talk to corporate. Looks like we're moving this job to Detroit. I don't know for sure yet. Let's just wait. I'll let you know in about a month. You're like, thanks. Right. That's not helpful. Because what do you find yourself doing? Ah, right. What's going on? It's the unknown. Maybe you had this moment like this, this ailment going on in your life. It's a really big deal. And you go to your doctor. You get to so you run the test. He says, hey, when can I know? He says, give me a couple of weeks. Why don't you just wait and I'll give you a call. And you're sitting there freaking out. You're like, oh, my gosh, this is a big deal. This is too much. Or let's bring it back to everyday life. You go into Chick-fil-A and you're hungry. You order a value meal number one with the milkshake, cookies and cream, of course, right? And she says to you, hey, I'm so sorry. I know you're hungry, but the milkshake machine is down. I need you to wait. You're like, no, right? Because you're hungry. We don't do well in the context of our life having to press pause on what we deem as being important or vital in life and waiting because it just is too much for us and it is too hard. In the context here, the disciples get to recognize in the moment that Jesus' command to wait, it has a, a similar tension and weight behind it, but honestly on a much, much deeper level. The disciples are being told by Jesus to wait in a city that just killed him because of doing absolutely nothing worthy of being killed for. And they are his believers and believe everything that he believes and espousing everything that he espouses. And they're having Jesus saying, I don't want you to leave this place. I want you to stay here. And that's overwhelming. That's overwhelming in the moment, right? Jesus's command absolutely would have countered, honestly, would have countered, countered their, their logical process. It wouldn't have made sense. Stay in a city that wants to kill you for an indefinite period of time and don't do anything and all get in one room together so they can just kill you all together and track you down. That doesn't make any illogical sense, right? But Jesus say, I want you to wait. And there's tension. And it has a sense of being overwhelming. And it's counterintuitive. It is illogical in their own mind. Here is the point. Waiting, waiting that, listen, waiting is something that Jesus calls all of us to do at some point of time in our life. And most of the time, it's going to seem counterintuitive and illogical. When God calls you to wait, when God, you're like, God, it would be so great if you did X. It's like, just wait. You're like, be honest with you, it's not the best idea, right? It's like it seems counterintuitive and it seems illogical. And so it's important for us this morning to begin to grab hold of this word wait. Because I would say that our spiritual growth is dependent on how we handle the word wait. The first thing I want to say this morning is that waiting has a promised ending. Waiting has a promised Waiting, biblically speaking, the word for waiting is paramiso, or param, excuse me, paramino. 
paramino, it means to stay in one place and anticipate and expect something. So wait has in mind a very clear expectation of what I'm looking for is going to come or something that I'm expecting, anticipating is actually going to come. I start here this morning because most pastors like to end with the plus, right, like the win. But I want to begin with the win. I want to begin with the perspective that can and should define our lives. And it's simply this. When we wait, because God is good and a good father and loves you and is for you and is is much smarter than we are and has a perfect plan for our lives in the moment, right? Then we know our waiting is difficult and is illogical and as counterintuitive as it seems it ultimately will lead to the promise of an ending that ultimately pleases God and brings glory to him because he works all things together for good for those who love him. And so as you find yourself waiting today, and let's just be honest, press pause, look at me real quick. I recognize that what you're waiting for is different than the person next to you. And that's the hard thing, right? When we talk about waiting, like you make it really personal, but it's really different than the person next to you. And so as you come into it, the first thing you have to recognize, man, it's like the promised ending for each person, honestly, is uniquely different depending on your unique circumstance. And so in this, you have to begin to say, all right, God, I'm going to wait. And we can say, God, now would you awaken me to what the promised ending, God, what this good thing looks like that I'm looking for. For here, for the disciples, they were waiting for the Spirit of God. They were waiting for the promise of God's Spirit. And here's the thing about it. They didn't know how long they were waiting. Like it's, we know they waited 40 days, which doesn't mean literal 40 days. It probably just was a, a lengthy period of time, right? It could have been 50 days. It could have been 60 days, right? But they waited, right? But they didn't know how long they were waiting. They didn't have the next verse that says they were waiting 40 days. They didn't get to see the, they didn't get to read the New Testament. It was written many years later. They were just told to wait, and they're like, how long? He's like, see ya. And he goes up into heaven. Great, Jesus. Thanks, right? Huge help. I'm just going to wait here forever. That's what it feels like, doesn't it? Whenever you wait, it's three days, it feels like forever. And so they're in the moment, right? But the thing is, as we look at this, we know that their waiting had a promised ending. The sending of God's Spirit. They needed God's Spirit. The greatest gift they would ever receive. Simply say that, listen, the gift that God brought was worth the waiting. It was worth the waiting, and that is the perspective we must adopt in our spiritual lives. The waiting, the waiting was worth it. God never calls us to wait without the promise of something worthwhile in the end. Hear this. You can't Bible read yourself to a perspective shift. You can't Pray yourself, like you can't do your work to get yourself to a perspective shift. You have to ask God to say, God, give me your perspective because I can only see mine. And that's what we're talking about here. There's a perspective shift. We have to shift our vantage point. We've been looking at it from this direction and say, God, help me change how I view and shift to this place here. There's this perspective shift, and that's where we start. If we can get to the point of saying waiting that may be three days, it may be three years, it may be 30 years for whatever it is, right? In this God, I'm trusting and believing that there's a good and promised ending. Which means, number two, just practically speaking, like waiting can be scary. 
right? Like, I don't mean like scary as walking into a haunted house scary. Like, I mean, like scary as I'm out of control jumping out of an airplane with a parachute on my back. Is it going to open type scary? Right? Like that type of I'm out of control. I can't control my circumstances right now. All I can do is let them, quote unquote, happen to me. You know what I mean when I say that, right? I am waiting and I can't make the doctor call me faster. Right. I definitely can't make my boss be nice and help me and give me some clarity. Right. I definitely can't go back there and fix the milkshake machine and give myself a milkshake. Right. I have to sit there and let somebody else wait. I have to wait for them. I have to sit here and wait for them to move. Waiting can be scary for the disciples. Again, I've already named it. There's a level of scariness because they're sitting there going, we don't know how long we're waiting. We don't know what's happening to be honest with you, we really have no earthly idea what we're waiting for. Like, they didn't know what the Holy Spirit was going to do. They didn't know how it was going to come. Like, when he came with, like, tongues of fire, and, like, they were like, that was, like, way outside of their comfort zone. Nowhere to be expected for them. Nowhere. They had no idea what was coming. And in this, right, there's this scariness. We have no control in the moment. We have to just simply exercise what? The fruit of God's spirit, patience. Like, if you want, listen, you pray for patience, he's going to make you wait. That's what he does. If you want to begin to be great and awesome at waiting, become awesome at patience. Long suffering in one direction until the answer comes, right? Patience is this fruit that we exercise in the moment. And so in this waiting, listen, it may not carry the same type of scariness today that we're literally in threat of our life, right? But waiting means some, someone else has the power. Waiting means that someone else has the power, and all we can do is sit back and let it happen. We can't, we can't make things happen in our own strength. We have to relinquish control. And I think that's the thing that scares us about waiting, isn't it? Because let's all, let's be honest. We're all control freaks. We all like being in charge. We all like depending, we all like to determine where we're going, when we're going, and how we're getting there. We all do. We all have this inside of us. We all are, listen, we are all waiting on, what we're waiting on right now, all the things that are going on in our lives, we, we can't control them. Like, name them. What are the things you're waiting for? And think about the tension that you have and how much of it revolves around the fact that you can't make things happen. Which means, therefore, that waiting requires and it builds faith. There's a promised ending. It is scary. It is overwhelming. We have to lose control. But it requires and it builds faith all at the same time. Listen, The disciples had to trust Jesus when he said, I want you to wait with an indefinite period of time. They had to trust that Jesus knew what he was doing. And even if it wasn't what they instinctively would have chosen for themselves and didn't know what they were waiting for, they knew they just had to trust. Like I can imagine their prayer because I can imagine my prayer. Jesus, I hear you. That's so good. 
But let's talk about my alternative plan, Jesus. I just want to just go and get it out there for you. It doesn't make I'm just saying, doesn't make sense to be hanging out in Jerusalem, especially all in the same room. They could take us out like that. It, it, it would make a lot more sense for you to do it right now. Go ahead. And what are you going to do? The Holy Spirit thing? Come here. That's fine. Whatever you want to do. It would be great to happen right now, right? Because because you're gone, right? And we're kind of alone here. And Peter's kind of annoying. And especially John. He's like, I love you, right? It's like it's kind of annoying. I just want to figure out the whole thing and what's going on here. And so it would be best you to go ahead and come right now because I'm freaking out a little bit, God. Does that sound like our prayers, honestly? At least the ones you allow yourself to have in deep recesses of your mind. And the idea then of faith is, I'm going to be honest and always pray that prayer. Never stop praying that prayer to God. Why? Because it's what you're being honest about, what you're thinking. God, I would. But the answer is this, but. But God, not my will, your will. God, I Trust you. I would do this, but I have faith and belief that even though these things aren't happening when and how, the way I would expect them to happen, God, and I would give you alternative plans this all day long, but God, I will have faith because I know that you're good, that you're for me, and that there is a promised good ending because you work all things for your glory and good. We have to, and the idea is this, as we begin to exercise that faith, then faith begins to grow inside of us. Waiting requires faith, right? Waiting means I exercise trust in God when every sense inside of me says something different. Why? Because I know he is good, he is moving, and that he's fighting for me. As I look to God, I continue to grow, which leads to number four. Waiting produces spiritual growth. Hear this. If Jesus had the... Here, here, this is really important. If Jesus made his disciples wait, then it means what he wanted to bring them, the power of the Holy Spirit, they were not ready for here. They needed third, they needed the 40 days of waiting and preparation so they could be conduits through which the Spirit could move. Without the waiting, there's no gift. It was required. It was required. Waiting requires taking eyes off of self, our abilities, our desires, right? Our preferences, taking eyes off of self and then looking to Jesus, right? Because listen, growth occurs anytime we stop looking at our convictions, our logical decisions, and we look to Jesus. Looking to Jesus is miracle grow. He is miracle grow. Because when I sit here and I look like this in the shadow of my own thinking, how many of you know plants don't grow in the dark? They grow when they are then opened up to see the sun. 
And so as we sit there in the shadows of our own thinking, our own confusion, our own anxiety, our own will, whatever it may be, we are sitting in the dark and nothing is growing. But as soon as they say, God, I look to you because I can't, only you can. Your will, not my will. And I look to Jesus, all of a sudden I begin to grow. As the disciples sat in this upper room, hundreds of them sitting in the room together, doing their thing in worship and in prayer and just seeking God's face, he began to shift them from self-control, this idea of controlling their moments and releasing control to Jesus and saying, God, I have my thoughts, but I trust you. And in that, they became perfect, shaped conduits through which God's spirit moved and the whole world heard about Jesus. Without waiting, it would not have happened. Waiting, as hard as it always is, it births humility. I mean, you know it. I'm sitting there going, oh, God, okay, I give up. And he's like, finally, you've been getting in my way the entire time telling me your plans. Stop trying to control me. Let me do me. Yes, God. Waiting causes us to, 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 just to, to grow in humility. It causes us to die to selfishness, to die to, to pride in the moment, right? Listen, death to making things happen in our own strength. Like God brings, listen, I'm in, I'm in a season of God letting me know, Steve, everything you do in your own strength is going to fail. You can't do it. I can sit here and just go down a list of things. Oh, oh, all right. Well, I guess you're just making it super clear. I like to control things. I'm a leader with a capital A. You better call me Pastor Steve because I'm the leader, right? No. He's like, you're just a human being who's frail and you need me. We all need him. We can't do it without him. Waiting lets me see you can't do things, Steve. You need me, Jesus. Sorry, I give up here. And I grow. And I become the leader I have to be. Listen, it seems counterintuitive. It seems counterintuitive, but the best way to prepare ourselves for the wave of God's presence is to do nothing but submit ourselves to the wave and let him take us. Somebody needs to submit right now. I mean, you, like you, you sense, like right now, just see it. And I just see this, this person just wrestling right now. It's almost like you're shaking on the insides, knowing this is exactly for me. I had to submit, and you name it. You don't have to tell me. Don't yell it out. That's awkward. Just name it before God right now. Before we even finish the message, submit to him right now to say, God, this is too much. I, w- I have faith. I have a plan, but I trust you, God. And the lad, just look up to Jesus. Just right now, submit. Just say, yes, sir. Just say, yes, sir. And let him have his way in your life. A couple of things we must remember. Let's keep on going. That was just a press pause moment for Jesus. Number one, waiting is not passive. 
waiting is not passive. But I'm like, waiting is not just sitting there being lazy, right? Like, biblical waiting requires us engaging our responsibilities. Listen, like Peter, like, you know, Peter was married and like had some kids, right? Could you imagine him go, hey, wife and kids, I got 40 days in the upper room, shirking all my responsibilities just to go and pray and be with Jesus. He didn't do that, right? He still did life. He still cared for his wife. He still cared for his kids. He still loved on people when he walked outside because he had to go to the bathroom, right? He would go out and go to the bathroom and he would, be, and he would like probably love on people and talk to people and see how they were doing. He just did life. You still have responsibilities. You still have your job. You still have your responsibilities with your family, right? You can't just go hide yourself up in a cubby hole over here by yourself and just wait till everything gets better. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. That's not biblical waiting. That's selfish waiting. I'm not going to do anything until I feel like it, is basically what that means. No, we have responsibilities. It's, 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 it's very active waiting. I'm waiting for God to do this. I'm going to live my life and serve. I'm going to serve in children's ministry. I'm going to love on my neighbors, go to the grocery store, take care of my mom, love on my people, whatever it is. Whatever. Like this, this, this active waiting. The second thing is this. About waiting, and this is very sobering, and you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. What do I mean by that? When I was in high school, I read 1 Samuel 13 for one of the very first times, and, and, I, and I read it, and, I, and honestly, I sat there and went, oh, my God. Woo, man. Because it's the story of Saul and Samuel. Like King Saul, the very first king, pre-David, right? King Saul. And King Saul's this great guy, man, killing his hundreds, doing his thing, leading, right? And so they had this battle they're about to go into. Like, this is like Cliff Notes version. You're welcome. And so, about to go into battle. Because Samuel, the prophet, man, the holy man, hey, about to go into battle. Samuel, what do we do? Samuel, Samuel says, just wait for me. I'm coming. It's going to take me seven days to get there. But I'll come and I'll make the sacrifice so that God will be with us and give us victory. And St. Saul's like, okay, fantastic. Hey, guys, don't worry. Samuel's coming. The holy man's coming. Don't worry. He'll be here in seven days. Seven days, come and go. And Samuel ain't there. Everybody's freaking out. What are we going to do? Samuel's not here. And Saul's like, and the army's gotten closer to their opposition, right? Like, what do we do? And so people are like freaking out. People are starting to like pack up their stuff and get ready to go. And Saul goes, no, 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 don't worry, don't worry. I'll offer the sacrifice. I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead. Don't worry. And so Saul goes up, does all the holy ritual stuff. And as the sacrifice is being made, Samuel goes, what's up, guys? I'm here. It's in the Bible. It says, what's up, right? So he shows up. And he's like, oh. He's like, uh, Samuel's like, what, what are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? He literally says in scripture, he's like, what? He goes, what have you done? That's not a good phrase. Cause you know how he said it. It was like, hey guys, what are you doing? He's like, what have you done? And Saul goes, well, I mean, you just didn't get here. It's been seven days. And I figured, I mean, I know God too, so I could go ahead and do it. And Samuel looks at him and says, you have done a foolish thing. What's the foolish thing making the sacrifice? Kind of. But the primary thing was he didn't finish waiting. He didn't finish waiting. He didn't wait. He didn't trust. He said, I've got a better plan. Watch me make this happen in my own strength. I'm going to do it. 
I'm completely capable. I got a great plan, right? I've kind of Googled about it. I've kind of read about it. I've gotten wise counsel from myself about it. It's going to be great. We're going to make it happen. Don't worry. I've got this. What a foolish thing you have done. As I read this, my entire life now has been spent recognizing I have to be sober in the moments of waiting. I have to listen. Yes, God has good plans. Yes, he is for me. Yes, he's, I can have faith. All these things. But ultimately, God, I don't want to circumvent. I don't want to move out of the waiting too early and take things into my own hands. It's simply a reminder, Steve, when I call you to wait, trust me, I will also let you know when it's time to walk. Right? Do I trust him enough in the waiting to also tell me he will release me? I'll tell people all the time, like, God's just not clear. I just don't know what to do. I'm like, because he hasn't made it clear yet. He's completely capable. God will make it clear. And God will make it clear. And when it becomes clear, it becomes clear. How? Because he will do it. Why? Because he's God. Because he loves me. Because he wants to make it clear. If something isn't clear, it's because he hasn't made it clear. Don't try to make it too clear because he hasn't made it clear yet. We trust him. Wait on him and go, God, it's not clear. It's on you. I'm going to sit here, God, until you make it clear. It's going to love on my wife and my kids, do my job. And when the time is right, I'll sit here in faith completely with the, you, the reins are in your hand. And I'm completely good. I'll wait for that milkshake all day long until it's perfect timing to take the cookies and cream, God. I'm good. Whenever you're ready, Jesus, it's going to sit here. God is calling us to wait. In context and areas of our lives, and sometimes it's harder than it is other times. And each time he's saying, hey, will you trust me? Will you believe in this perspective that I have something good for you, right? In this, I'm going to build your faith, and it's going to require faith, and it's going to produce spiritual growth. Let's pray. Father, you are good. And Lord, we are thankful in our waiting, Lord, that you already live in our future where the promises have come true. And you see us there, and we're satisfied and we're fulfilled. I praise you for your wisdom, I praise you for your knowledge. Praise you for being sovereign, God, of being Lord and leader over all things. Thank you, God, that you are a good Lord, a loving Lord, that you lead us with compassion and with kindness and with tenderness. Lord, I thank you that when we sit there in those moments and we share our opinions with you and our frustrations, God, you don't get frustrated, you don't get angry. You're like, I know, I know, I know, trust me. I pray, Father, you would make us like the, the disciples, the men and the women, Lord, who sat in that upper room and just waited, fearing in some degree, just aware that there were those who would like to kill them. Just aware, God, that you were no longer with them in person. They were aware, Father, that everything had changed. Everything was unsettled. Everything was new overwhelming but I praise you in those days and nights Lord 
waiting in the upper room, Jesus, that you shaped and you transitioned, God. You moved their heart. You made them perfectly ready to receive the promise and to share the gospel to a dying world. Lord, I pray today for each person and their waiting, whatever it may be, in the context of relationships, in the context of a job, God, in the context of calling, God, in the context of their own hearts and minds, just wrestling. I pray, Father, for breakthrough today. I pray for a fearlessness. I pray for a confidence. And I pray, Father, they would be awakened to the faith inside of them. They already possessed because of Jesus inside of them. We pray this in your name. I invite you to respond this morning. We'll have ministry teams available on both sides. What that means is people like you who like to pray for people like you. Just to love on you, to encourage you, to speak life over you. We have communion available this morning. I need some ladies. I've only got men up here praying, so I need to get a couple of ladies up here praying. So if you're part of the prayer team and you're ladies, I need you to make a way up here, please. In this, we also want to respond through communion. Just allow God to speak to you and make alive again the good news of Jesus' love for you. Offering baskets available every Sunday. Why? We just want to give you the freedom to worship through offering. We have a box back there in the back that you can also put your money into. And uh, so it'd be great. So you respond as the Lord leads. I'll come actually at 3020 after. So we're done for the day. You just stay as long as you want to stay, and the Lord has you here. And then when you're ready to go, you can go. If you have not signed up for infusion and want to do that, make sure you make that happen today before you leave.